Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. hip 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 powder donut <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Greetings friends and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Curry House. Today is episode 59 where I'm joined by the absolutely delightful Tiffany Grant. Sadly I'll not be joined by my usual hosts Paul and Joe. It is just myself Alex. Let's get the show on the road. How are you doing Tiffany? I am very well thank you. Marvellous. Well (laughs) thank you so much for agreeing to come on for this interview. Uh Gamera, the first Gamera film was released in 1965 and it has been the 55th anniversary of Gamera this year and it's kind of passed people by because there's been you know a few things going on this year that have got people's attention more indeed (laughs) but I thought it could be nice to sit down and chat about kind of your involvement with the Gamera series because you came Mm -hmm. into the franchise much later through the 90s with your role. How do you pronounce the surname of that uh, character? before I butcher uh, it. Oh, oh, uh, let's see. Uh, I would say Dr. Nagamine. Wonderful. Thank you I for would say, I would say Nagamine, yeah. Okay, yes. well, um, your character is in the first of the High Sai trilogy, um, mm-hmm. Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. And as I understand, mm-hmm. there's a returning, a returning character in Gamera mm-hmm. 3, Revenge of Iris. Yes, yes, so yes. are mm-hmm. you in the second film? No, she's not in the second film at all. So she's in the first and third. How exactly. did you how did you get into that role? Wow. Um it was it was really tricky. Um, at that point I had been dubbing anime for a couple of years. So I was familiar with the process of uh, you know, dubbing my voice into a foreign language film. But of course, all of the characters that I had been giving a voice to were little two-dimensional cartoon characters. So doing a voice for someone who is a real-life person, that was very daunting, I have to say, because, you know, when I was growing up in the 70s, there were all of these, uh, just tons and tons of these uh, kung fu movies that were (laughs) very, very badly dubbed. And to be fair, they didn't really have all the technology to kind of line it up but I was terrified of it looking like that and I thought you know how weird is it for my voice to come out of her mouth so there was a lot of um a lot of finesse that we really put into um nailing it at the beginning the first few um scenes where we see Dr. Nagamine um to to make sure that 
it wasn't, I mean, I'm very loud and brash and American. Really? (laughs) And that I'm sort of known for that. But we had to kind of soften her up to make it seem more plausible that some version of my voice could be coming out of her mouth where it, it didn't like assault people's ears. And the very, very first thing that she actually says is someone calls her to the phone. And in Japanese, when she's been called the phone, she says, hi, which just means yes. And so something that we were, we really wanted to try to craft the dialogue where what I'm saying in English kind of matches up with the mouth movement. And so I said, K, um, as in like, okay, but I said, K. And I remember that we did it several times just, and there were several passes that we had on those first few lines just to try to get the, I don't know, the, the musicality or the rhythm or the cadence of uh, like what her voice would sound like because it's a lot softer, I would say, than what my normal speaking voice was. But it was it was challenging to get into that and to try to make it seem believably like that it, it could be her speaking. You were saying earlier that you found the challenge of working with a three-dimensional character daunting. Yes. Have there been many other roles that have since been as daunting in different ways? <sighs> Uh, there, there have been some other characters that I, I found challenging, and it's tended to be the ones that were more dramatic things that you know in a more dramatic scene, even if it was animated, just because you want to try to to carry the the weight of the emotions and um, the 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 proper emotionality, the intensity, and everything for the scene for it to come across well and uh, to be accepted properly by by the viewer, the listener. Um, yeah, but that, the first one, that was, that was tricky. That was tricky. And then I, when I went back and I did the third film, it was many years later, we did, we dubbed, uh, Gamera Guardian of the Universe in 1996. And we didn't do, um, I, the, the second and third films were dubbed many years later. And, um, 1999. well, no, but that's not when we dubbed them. I mean, that, oh, the release. Yeah. Mm, I see. yeah, yeah. When we did the dubs, it wasn't until like 2003 or, oh, wow. okay. or something. Yeah, it was many years mm. later that mm. I did that. So, uh, yeah, I've really only done a, a couple of live action projects where I've, you know, dubbed an actual human person. And uh, yeah, very, very challenging. It's very different. And having had that prolonged break, what was it like to get back into the shoes of Dr. Nagami Nair? I, was, I guess I wasn't quite as nervous about it the second time because I kind of felt like, you know, well, I've done it before, so surely I could do it again. And also then I was just a much, much more experienced voice actor also by that time as well. Um, when we did Gamera, I'd only been voice acting for a couple of years, so it did help to have some more experience under my belt uh, going in to do it. Hmm. the second to do the second one um yeah not not quite as much pressure <laughs> understandably yeah well rewind back to when you 
got involved dubbing the first camera film because mm-hmm. yes. it was a phenomenally busy couple of years for you because that seems to yes. coincide looking on IMDb that coincides with Evangelion and yeah. I understand that probably the vast majority of interviews that you do will be about your character of Oscar <laughs> Yes. Um, Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. She's um, right there. <laughs> she is. That is most definitely a Funko Pop of Oscar. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I'm pointing, and of course, everybody else can't see what I'm pointing to. No, yeah. but they, they can assume. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you had a phenomenally busy couple of years. Mm. Can you place mm-hmm. our listeners kind of you know, in the setting? What, what was the mid-90s like for you as an anime voice actress? Yeah, well... We did our, we did the first dub. It was a, a company, um, ADV Films. It was orig- originally AD Vision, ADV Films. Did the very, the very first show that we dubbed was back in February of 1994. And um, Matt Greenfield, who was the, the co-founder of ADV, I remember so distinctly him saying to me at the time, it's like, well, you know, we think uh, eventually we're going to be doing one of these every month. <laughs> and, we thought, and I was like, wow, one every month. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was so ambitious, you know. And uh, really, within a year, we were just going gangbusters. And it just it ramped up so quickly. And so by the time we were doing Gamera, uh, we were... We were working on a TV series called Blue Seed. We were dubbing a lot of uh, OVAs, uh, which is like direct-to-video uh, projects that were some of them just like one episode or just two or three, four episodes like that. And actually, it was before. It was right before we started working on Evangelion. We did Gamera. I want to say we dubbed it in the summer of 1996. And then it would have been like in the fall when we actually started dubbing um, Evangelion. So it was kind of right before. But people who are familiar with Evangelion, and if they watch Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, they're going to hear. It's like like everyone who's in Evangelion is in that movie. So uh, it's it's, uh, kind of interesting to listen to it with that thought in mind much in the same way that many directors often have the same kind of returning cast it becomes yeah. you get like a staple kind of batch of characters or... yeah i mean and it's it's geographic because you know mm-hmm. we we're doing this in in houston and so it's yes. like all of the actors who are in houston and since it was uh going to be such a challenging project and so daunting be- because of it being live action uh, you know, he sort of wanted to get, I, I have to laugh when I say this, but the most experienced actors he had, well, considering the most experienced of us had been doing it for two years, but that mm. was, you know, he didn't really want to bring in some like brand new person, like you've never dubbed anything before, work on this movie now, you know, um, but that's, that's kind of where it, it fell, it was, uh, right around the time, if people are familiar with Golden Boy, it was right around the time that we did Golden Boy. We were doing um, Burn Up W around that same time, um, Gunsmith Cats. It, it's all in that same era. So correct me if I'm wrong, it's almost yeah. as if Gamera was just kind of one project of many that was happening all kind of at the time. It was just oh, kind of came through. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It wasn't um, a case of we've got Gamera, we finally landed Gamera. You know, it was just kind of, yeah. here's another project. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, we were working on stuff 
pretty regularly by that time. I mean, it's when I look back on it, it's amazing that we went from doing this like one, two episode OVA in February of 1994. And then sometime around the end of 1994 or beginning of 1995, we did the second project, which was um, Samurai Showdown. It was a, a, a movie of the video game, you know, it was the Samurai Showdown, the motion picture. But then, so by the time we did that second project, and then it just really quickly started ramping up to, you know, there were several months in between the first two, and then it was just like, boom, boom, boom. There was something all the time after that. Um, yeah, so it was like, you know, we're doing Gamera right now, and then in a couple of weeks, we'll be doing, you know, whatever the next thing is, burn up or something. I think it's part of the charm of what you're saying, and like, it's reflective of the time, but it's almost underwhelming that it wasn't this kind of, this grandiose thing of that we've got Gamera, it was just, we're doing Gamera, next thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, for, for the director, for Matt Greenfield, for him, I mean, he is, you know, I, I, I don't want to overstate this because I know that you're obviously quite an Uber fan, but uh, you'd be really hard pressed to find hmm. someone who's a bigger fan of Kaiju and Sentai hmm. and all that stuff than Matt Greenfield. So for him to, to have grown up with, with all of those films and then to get to direct this, and um, one of the things he was most excited about is he is the very first person who is killed by a uh, gauss. So yes, that was, that was a huge thing for him. And he brought in his parents and his brother and they were, you know, all extras in it and they all got killed by, um, by various um, kaiju. I don't know if they all got killed by gauss or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for yeah. that. We're at, <laughs> we are at a perfect moment to take our first broke. Uh, first broke? Our first break. We'll return <laughs> in a moment. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. My name is Connor Baxter, and I'm a freelance 3D artist. My specialty is sculpting various monsters and kaiju found in pop culture, which are then converted into model kits via 3D printing. This is something I enjoy doing very much, and if you're interested in my work and like a private commission, then check out my portfolio site at invaderdesign.co.uk where you can find my work and contact information. Or check out my Twitter at invader underscore design. Cheers. And welcome back to the second part of this interview with Tiffany Grant, voice actress who played the role of Dr. Nagamine in the first and the third Gamera High Sai movies. Um, Tiffany, you were telling us about how you got into the role of this mm -hmm. character. Mm -hmm. What Gamera films had you seen prior to your involvement? If any, you're going to say none, aren't you? I'm going to say none. Uh, like, what I knew about Kaiju at that point was, like, Godzilla. 
I mean, I yeah. really, I did not, I didn't know that much about kaiju at that point. Um, I'm so sorry to all see, of the my favorite listening. Um, well, see, my favorite thing about um, <laughs> doing these podcast interviews is that whenever, like, I chat to the general public and I say, you know, get some questions out to this guest, and they go, oh, can you ask this really, really detailed, complicated question? And I'm, I'm realizing <laughs> over time that our guests don't give a crap. Because actually, when it's your line of work, you're not kind of this crazy fan about, like you were saying about Evangelion, the, the people mm. go, oh, do you know th- this part of an episode? Yes, go, go away, calm down, calm down. <laughs> Scary, very excited person. Um, well, in which case, what I will ask you, because you've led me on to a lovely question from uh, John Devine, who's on Twitter, okay. and he okay. said, if there was a reboot of Gamera, would you want it incorporated into the monster verse with Godzilla and Kong? Would you want Gamera to have its own film? Or Tiffany, do you not even care? That's okay too. Ooh, ooh. Wait I've a added minute. that last so, part. So, okay, now wait a minute. Uh, I'm gonna seriously consider this. So my options, oh. okay, is that it could be integrated with- uh, with So with, with the monster verse, which is kind of the King Kong movie, uh, and then Godzilla versus Kong, the Godzilla films that we've had recently in 2014. Uh, well, I have to say, I think I had a little bit of an omen because right before I did this podcast today, I went to buy groceries. And when I was back sort of- You bought groceries. I bought groceries today. I know, I eat groceries. I'm just like you. Um, So I was walking by the section where uh, like the, the dairy case and the milk and everything. And on the ground, just randomly on the ground, there was a King Kong toy on the ground. I know. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at that. It's some kind of an omen. It's a prophecy. So I feel like I should go with that as my answer. Um, yeah. I think you should. I mean, like, I'm going to kind of twist that and say- I'm going to say that that was a sign. Yeah, uh, Possibly. I think that you walking mm-hmm. past this toy of an established mm-hmm. iconic figure, yeah. was, it was reminding you of a world famous uh, British podcast. That, that, that's mine. <laughs> Just spe- crazy speculations yeah. here, but you know. Absolutely. But I, you know, it's fair enough. It's fair no, enough, so, so, do you think that Gamera would match nicely with uh, Godzilla with King Kong, or do you, mm. do you think, like, seriously, have him in his own movie? Gamera's I cool. I don't know. I mean, you know, I but I hate to think of him like fighting an, another one of the, you know, because okay, what I, I what I really liked, you know, in in Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, it's like, oh, but he's, you know, he's the he's the guardian of the freaking universe people it's like the gauss are bad and he's gonna attack them and protect the people so i mean i don't want him to you know hurt anybody well no he's the friend to all children yes exactly you know he's he's a good boy he's he's nice Fair enough. Well, let's move on to another question. Um, my co-host Joe says, what are your thoughts on Dr. Nagamine being a positive female role model? Mm. Okay, well, yeah, I, I do think that's really good. Um, th- so she's an ornithologist and um, uh, played wonderfully by um, Shinobu Nakayama. And she is, uh, 
you know, she's very sensible. She's practical. She's not hysterical. She doesn't go, oh, the things. She's not running away, um, screaming shrilly. Uh, she's, uh, you know, she's very knowledgeable. She's poised. She's calm. She's in charge. She's not unnecessarily wearing some like ridiculously revealing outfit or her clothes aren't getting ripped off and she's ending up you know, with some little tattered thing barely covering her bits or something and you know there's a hint of sort of uh, a romance with the um i don't remember his name but the male character that aaron crone did this voice uh anyway there, you know, I just, I like the fact, yes, I think she is a good role model, and, and she really is a, a pivotal character in the story. She's very important to the story, so it's not like, you know, the men are going to do all the hard work, and then she, you know, is fainting, and some man needs to come and save her or whatever. So, I, yeah, I thought she was a really great character. One of the most striking moments for me is early on when she gets introduced to that panel of quite imposing uh, men. And yeah. the scientists kind of say, well, she's very young. And I, like, they don't necessarily refer to the fact that, you know, like we're hiring a woman for the job. I think the focus is definitely she's young because yeah. of rusty old dudes who are kind of like, you know, prattling on about what they're going to do. But she doesn't seem to kind of respond with any feistiness. She's just kind of very calm and collected of, we're going to do a thing. Yeah. Of, she seems yeah. pretty together. I know. Yeah. Yeah. She is not cowed. She is not intimidated by all these old dudes. I mean, she's, she is there to share her expertise and, um, and to, like you said, lay out a plan. So I, I, I thought she was awesome. I'm, I'm really excited that that was, um, that was my involvement. That's the, that was the role that I got to do. And in terms of your involvement mm -hmm. with Dr. Nagamine, how much of yourself were you able to put through? Because you mentioned oh. earlier that, you know, you have quite sort of a loud, kind of confident, assertive personality. Mm -hmm. Could that come through with your character? Um, I, I think, you know, there are elements of me in there. Of course, it's, it is really different because she's a real flesh and blood human being <laughs> as opposed to being an animated character. Um, you know, I just, I tried to, I just tried to look at everything from her point of view, but yeah, I think, you know, that, that element of myself that is sort of, uh, assertive and, uh, slightly demanding at times. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I think that that was good. I, I'm, I'll say that Matt did a good job in casting. <laughs> well, obviously a good team from what you were saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. I'd like to kind of like broaden that question. Mm -hmm. In terms of you putting through yourself in voice acting, mm -hmm. you've worked on countless characters in mm -hmm. terms of your career. How much mm -hmm. of yourself do you put into those characters? Or is it like an individual basis? You go, right, this is this character. It needs this approach. Mm -hmm. How does it work? Yeah. I mean, I think any actor would say that every character you do has it's some aspect of your personality but yeah I mean certainly some of them are a lot more like you than others are you know I've never 
personally been an eight-year-old boy, but I've played a lot of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> but there's still going to be elements of the the personality or the intention or the the convictions that they have. So yeah, I think you know you just you always have to imagine yourself in that position and as that character and how you would how you would react if you were in these situations. And of course, I think the situation in camera is highly ridiculous, but uh, you know, I mean, yeah. you try to think about it logically in terms of the real world and there's no, a, gigantic, a gigantic flying turtle. I mean, yeah. mm. but it, it's nice yeah. to kind of get you enlightening that for us. I think because mm -hmm. the realm of my experience, I don't have anything to do with acting. So it's, it's nice to kind of hear what happens. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, one more question before we take our second break, my mm -hmm. co-host Paul, he's asking mm -hmm. with, uh, with regards to the recording process, mm -hmm. what happens? Do you watch so many minutes of it for the footage and go, okay, I need to do this? Or is there a different kind of approach? How do you decide what's going to be said? In, in the particular case of Gamera, I believe that I did watch it. I believe mm -hmm. that I did watch it either subtitled or holding a translation in my lap, which is something I used to do a lot back in the day. Okay. Um, but other than that, just broadly, for anything that I've ever worked on, dubbing, you will watch that scene, just that particular scene that you're about to do, which usually is a couple of lines, you know, two, three, four lines. So, so it's very fresh in your mind. So even if I did watch it yesterday or the day before, you know, it's really important to have just watched it right now. So you can kind of, especially when it's live action, but to pick up on the little, the nuances mm. of the way the line is delivered, because you know, even if you're looking at the script and there's a line on the page, there might be a little pause or there's a hesitation or something or a certain word is kind of drawn out. And uh, so you do have to pay attention to those kind of things and, and how the line is delivered. If the character is smiling or if they're frowning or if they're frightened or whatever um so yeah so usually we just will watch um watch it in kind of in small chunks and then go back and and record those few lines and then the the engineer will stop and store sort of uh like check to see how things sync up like okay maybe that delivery sounded great to the director but how did it the, the technical exactly the technical aspects of it you know was it too long was it too short maybe you need to pause just a bit more at this particular point in the line or those kind of technical things well thank you for that that was really interesting hmm. it's time for our second mm -hmm. break when we return i would love to hear some recommendations uh, from you mm -hmm. tiffany on what films mm -hmm. you enjoy if that's okay all right yes mm -hmm. fantastic mm -hmm. see you in a moment folks me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Pip, 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 powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Welcome back, folks, to the last segment of the fantastic Tiffany Grant interview on Kaiju Curry House. Thanks for sticking with us. It's been a slog, hasn't it, Tiffany? <laughs> oh, it has. Yeah, it has. It's been a journey as well. <laughs> uh, right, okay. So from the last time that I interviewed you, which going mm-hmm. back was now like episode 20, I think, it was a year gone mm-hmm. November, we mm-hmm. chatted about our favourite... Mm-hmm werewolf movies if you remember and you said the oh howling. yes 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 yeah and oh, yes. you love the howling you the pee out of me <laughs> absolutely but some of the best films do they make that kind of impact on uh-huh. us so i was wondering what other kind of monster movies creature features you enjoy it doesn't have to be specifically japanese it could be anything um, from anywhere mm-hmm. Well, uh, lately, um, as with many folks sort of around the globe, I had a little more time to watch uh, my screens, um, binging and whatnot. Um, Not maybe exactly creatures, but the boys. Um, I love the boys. Um, Season two uh, came out uh, a month or two ago on uh, Amazon. And then more recently, everybody really must, must watch. It's uh, called Truth Seekers. And it's an eight episode series, which is from uh, the legends, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And it is, it is incredible. So um, I think anybody who likes kaiju and monsters and stuff, they must. And can you tell us a little bit about it without giving spoilers? Uh, I've not actually heard mm, of it. I I dodged mm, it somehow. uh, Well, uh, first of all, you're a loser. Can, can, I can't believe can, I haven't seen it. Can you I at least like break it. that to me gently as Oscar? Oh. You say an Oscar. Oh, you loser. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that now. I'll take that criticism. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. So it's got to be available in the UK. I mean, it's every, the whole thing was filmed in the UK. Um, and oh my gosh. So Nick Frost is this kind of wacky guy and he's like an internet installer, but on his spare time, he hosts a um, not very popular YouTube show called Truth Seekers, and he's looking for all this like supernatural stuff, you know? And his father is played by one of my favorite actors of all time, it's Malcolm McDowell. And like, I literally would watch anything with Malcolm McDowell it. I just rabidly love him so very much. Um, anyway, but it is, it's a fantastic show and I don't, I really don't want to give a whole lot about it away, but uh, Truth Seekers, it's, it's eight episodes and it's just absolutely brilliant as you would expect from the two of them. And I don't think it's too spoilery if I say, having watched these eight episodes, that I just do not see how there isn't another series of this. There's, there's got to be. If there's not a series too, there will be like a revolt. <laughs> there has to be. It must occur. Um, yeah. Anyway. So, so uh, there you go. Yes, yes. So that's, so that's your recommendation. We have established that I'm a loser, but we've also established that I need to go out <laughs> and watch this TV series that you've recommended. Yes, yes. Well, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I do feel like a better person for this abuse, so thank you. Yes, um, well. I have an... <sighs> It's meant kindly. Uh, Absolutely. I have another question from one of our members. Yes. yes. Uh, This is quite a cool question. So Mm. if you were to write and produce your own monster movie, Mm. what do you think would make it a good monster movie? 
And what would you go for? What kind of tome? What would it be about? Well, first of all, my critters have got to be uh, something that would normally be really cute and adorable. So it's got to be some kind of like uh, squirrel or hamster or uh, furry dog, basically some kind of cute little furry rodent kind of a thing. Um, maybe, you know, it becomes mutated and giant. I don't know, but I just know that it needs to be something that would be normally adorable and uh, relatively innocuous. Okay. I think that's that's probably the tax so, that I would take just because I like cute little furry creatures. So, so the, tr the trope of like something <laughs> small becoming super size. Probably, so, yeah. So like uh, eight-legged freaks, that kind of thing? Um, if you think spiders are cute, though, you might not. Yeah, no. No. Do you mean like could like a hamster? Yeah, yeah. Like um, a rodent. Or some a kind of some kind of rodent or yeah, not not uh, people are already like some people are afraid of cats or you know, there's like tigers and lions and stuff like that that are big and scary, but you know, just something that would typically be cute, like a little squirrel or yeah. something like that, I think. Okay. Yeah, if it became gigantic and so, you know, the havoc that it could wreak. Well, this is it. I mean, in five years' time, when your story about a super giant killer squirrel becomes popular, mm -hmm. I hope that we uh -huh. have some involvement here. Uh, yeah. Okay. What would it be called, this super giant squirrel? Oh, well, um, mm. You're not, you're not selling it. You're not, you're not sounding very <laughs> well, I'm sort committed. Of on the, I'm on the spot, aren't I? Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah um, Come on, think of a name for a giant squirrel. Okay, yes. Nutty's coming for you. <laughs> Marvelous. There we go. It wasn't too difficult. <laughs> oh, uh, to wrap things up, yes. normally at the end of our episodes, we give mm -hmm. our own personal recommendations for things. Mm -hmm. yes. So what I was thinking was I'd like to give out a personal shout out to okay. Arrow Video, who mm -hmm. have released the Gamera box set. Mm -hmm. And I know that Matt Frank um, mm -hmm. interviewed you for a commentary. Yes. So mm -hmm. I, I need to go out and listen to that. Uh, uh -huh. Only so that I can go, ah, oh, <laughs> asked all the same questions <laughs> as uh, she asked by Matt. Yeah, I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah. But That's no. all right. The Arrow uh, box set, that, that sold out quite spectacularly. And there were lots of very salty fans when they're saying, I didn't get my box set. So what I would say... I didn't get my box set. Ooh. There was one that was supposedly sent to me and then Shit. I never received it. I know, I never received it. And I, so I emailed him. I was like, so, so when were you... I was like, when were you sending that to me? And he goes, oh, well, I sent it already. You didn't receive it. I said, no. <laughs> so... Yes. Sorry, one I second think, while I go and get mine, you know. Yeah, I know. So theoretically, in the next lot. <sighs> yes, yeah, so as I'm holding up the giant cereal box size camera, um, what I was going to say was that mm. the High Sai trilogy is being released as a steelbook, which you can pre-order on... Um, on the Arrow website, so I recommend that. Uh, there's also the High Sai uh, era and there's the Shower era, and you can buy them as two separate box sets. So mm -hmm. effectively, you can buy all of it, and mm -hmm. it will come slightly under the cost of the original release. And some people are a bit disappointed, but ultimately it's good that there will be a second run of the Gamera box set. Yes. So I do encourage people to go out and get that. What recommendations for, I mean, you've said to go and watch this series on Netflix. Yes, 
yes. Is yes. there are there any films that you've really enjoyed, or maybe <sighs> from further back, like a, you know, a true mm. treasure? Mm. Okay, okay. If it could be anything, if it could be anything, um, there is a film, and this it actually won uh, the Academy Award back about six years ago uh, for best documentary feature. And it has nothing to do with monster movies or anything, but it is absolutely one of my favorite films of all time. So I'll just go ahead and plug it. It's called Searching for Sugar Man. And I, I think anybody who watched it would be my, I don't want this to sound hyperbolic. It changed my life, this film. Wow. I love it. I, for me, it was a life changing okay. film. So. Yeah, searching for Sugar Man. It's a it's a documentary, and it's um, it was it's about a it's actually an American um, singer who put out a couple of albums in the early seventies, and they became sort of integral to the whole um, movement to kind of bring down apartheid in South Africa, but in America, nobody knew who he was. Mm. And uh, I don't want to spoil it because there are some huge, huge revelations in the film. But oh. uh, that's kind of the, the basis of the story. But I, I mean, it's literally, it was a life-changing film for me, not an overstate. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. No, it's it's yeah. lovely to hear people's recommendations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I discovered that you're also a writer as well as an actor. Mm, yeah. And I was true. hoping that you could tell us a little bit about your writing career. Like, have there been any highlights for you? Because obviously it's a very different role. Yes, very, very different. Um, well, I, yeah, I, all of the writing work, well, no, not all, almost all of the writing work that I did was, uh, was anime. It was mostly, it was animated, but I actually did do a script for one live action film and it was a Korean film called Jungle Juice. And it was sort of a comedy, uh, crime movie, uh, Anyway, Jungle Juice, and the Jungle Juice, by the way, is, it's drugs. It's drugs. That's what the Jungle Juice <gasps> is. It's drugs. <gasps> I know. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, wow. The script writing, yeah, it's, it taps into a whole different uh, skill set for sure. Uh, let's see. For, I guess, probably one of my highlights was, I, I'm a big Hello Kitty fan, so I did get to do the um, script adaptations for a TV series called Hello Kitty's Animation Theater. And that was uh, just, that was a lot of fun. Just, it was delightful. But probably, um, I think my, one of my favorite TV series that I have ever, ever watched, which actually is more apropos for this particular podcast, a TV series called Parasite, which is Parasite with a Y, Parasite the Maxim. Um, and that came out about five years ago and I am not in it at all, but I did do the English script adaptations for it. And it's based on a manga that came out in the late eighties and it's, it is a phenomenal TV series and people don't have to know anything about anime. You don't have to be an anime fan to watch it, but it does have, um, sci-fi elements to it and sort of a creature like some kind of mysterious creatures that maybe are trying to take over humanity. Um, and 
it uh, brings a lot of questions to the fore, like what does it mean to be human? Hmm. Are we really that special anyway? But it's, it is a, just a terrific series, um, dramatic, um, very engaging, a very, very engaging show. There are some funny, some ve- actually very, very funny elements in it. Um, I wouldn't, but I would not describe it. I think if I tried to say that it's a comedy, uh, that's a little bit of a, a stretch, but uh, it's it's a terrific show. And uh, yeah, I would recommend, that would be a big recommendation for me to, for anybody if they can stream that or, you know, get the DVDs or whatever, but Parasite the Maxim, that's one of, for me, one of the, my proudest things that I ever worked on. Well, I think that's going to be my third thing that I'm going to go out and pursue. <laughs> I have uh, contemplating the fact that I'm a loser. I have going to Netflix and <laughs> British TV. So I'm joking. And we have this third series, which I'm, this has really piqued my interest. So thank you for okay. that. Yeah. Mm. No, that, that's perfect. Wonderful, yeah. And just to wrap up, I would like to give a personal shout out to my friend Matthew Meyer, who is doing a Kickstarter at the moment. He is releasing his fourth book uh, on Japanese folklore. That's Matthew oh. Meyer, the yokai guy, and his book is called A Fox's Wedding. And oh. the the book is doing phenomenally well as a Kickstarter. He's done quite a few projects now and they've always been oversubscribed. However, you do get a chance on the Kickstarter currently to get a hard cover with a slipcase and the, the artwork is wonderful. So uh, what oh, Matthew wow. does is he researches ancient Japanese folklore, translates it into English and accompanies it with art. And it's, it's wonderful. Oh. So it's oh, wow. worth um, giving a look out to. Yeah. And, and a great Christmas gift too. Uh, quite. Well, well mm-hmm. pointed out there, Tiffany. <laughs> well, it is time for us to wrap up. Thank you so much for coming back on the show, Tiffany. You're quite welcome, my dear. And I will speak to you soon. Thank you, everyone, and keep it kaiju. Goodbye. Also, you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus. The bulbous walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus. The bulbous walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.